What is up, everybody? Welcome to a Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris, and so glad to be with you yet again as we, well, we're less than 48 hours away from a matchup with the Indianapolis Colts. It's a rivalry that, well, it's been one-sided, if you will, 7-24. The Texans are 7-24 when going up against the Colts. They are... Two and fifteen, uh, two out of fifteen, so two and thirteen, on the road against Indianapolis, and of course they are zero and three to start the year. So a win is so desperately needed. But most, most, most importantly, though, I think going up there and just playing a clean game and let the result figure itself out. If the Texans play a clean game and they're effective in the red zone. They're more effective in the goal-to-go situations. They are finishing drives defensively and not allowing team, not allowing the Colts into their territory and then giving up points. So we will get into all of that as we move on. There's, there's a lot about this one. There are a lot of numbers to this game that are disturbing if you want the, if you want the truth. As in... December 11, 2016, the last time we played Indianapolis two years ago. Last time we had a Sunday road win. How about that? How about the fact that the Texans have not won a game they've trailed at any point since that Jacksonville game also in 2016? They trail at any point. They've lost the game. Oh, since that point forward. I mean, that's that is tough. Tough, tough, tough to overcome. Now, they have taken a lead in those games, but if they've trailed at any point in those games, they've lost them. So there are some trends that must turn around for this team, and it starts Sunday against Andrew Luck and the guys from Indy. Now, on the show tonight, we've got plenty for you. We've got our Deep Slant interview of the week. DP Sidhu sits down this week with punt and kick returner extraordinaire and third down specialist Tyler Irvin. I hope and I'm pretty sure she did, that she talks with Tyler about the haircutting business. Because that was one thing that Jermaine Kelly talked about when we talked to him draft night, when he, or the third day when he got drafted. We asked Jermaine Kelly about that. Oh, and he was very clear he was happy to see Tyler Irvin again. Because that was his guy. That was his guy in the barbershop, if you will. So we'll have Tyler Irvin on the show. We also have Mike Keys to the game. I'll give you those. The First Community Credit Union, First Glance Keys to the game. Offense, defense, special teams i got a couple special teams, one. One including a very big Estonian who can be a problem for the Texans. We'll get to that in a little bit. I'll give you my picks to every game. We go around the NFL and do it my way, which means I'm going to predict every game. And I don't care if I'm right, wrong, or otherwise. It's just a good way to talk about the NFL. We've also got the game plan. Brian Gain, the GM of your Texans, sits down with Mark Vandermeer. We will also have our players segment. We will get to know Will Fuller the fifth. We will have KJAC TV, a.k.a. Player Reporter. And we will also have the final word of Drew Doherty. It's Kareem Jackson. So Kareem gets to dominate the final segment. That's okay. It's good stuff. There's no doubt about that. So we've got plenty to do. Oh, and we've also got the head coach of the Houston Texans in what we call Hot Reads. Hot Reads brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes can save you 15% or more 
on car insurance. So let's hear from the man himself, Bill O'Brien, who sat down with Mark Vandermeer. Coach, you've gone to Indy and gotten some big wins before. Is that the kind of thing you can draw from, or does it have nothing to do with what's going to play out in this game? I mean, it's it's an uh, important game, you know, obviously for a lot of reasons. Yeah. Uh, it's a divisional game. We haven't won a game yet, and uh, we're, we, we've got to – We've got to find a way to win a game, and so um, I don't know if it, you know it's it's important that we're playing a divisional opponent. That's that's really important, and and again, but it doesn't matter who you're playing. We've got to try to find a way to win. What about Lucas Oil Stadium specifically, the building, the environment? Anything unique about it? It's your only indoor road game this year. Yeah, no, I mean it's a beautiful place. Uh, the crowd is into it. They're they're quiet when their offense is out there, and they're loud when our offense is out there. So we've got to deal with that and. Uh, you know they've got a good team. They've got uh, new coaching staff in there, and and they're playing energized. They're 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 doing a lot of good things in all three phases. So uh, you know we've got to be ready to go. What are you looking at when you're facing their front seven? What do you think of that matchup? You, you know a lot of those guys: Jabal Sheard, um, Marcus Hunt on the inside, really playing well. Uh, you know the the linebacker, the rookie Darius Leonard, really athletic mm-hmm. guy that's playing well. So you know we've got a, we've got a challenge there, just like we do every week, and we've got to meet the challenge. And what about meeting against their offensive line and trying to stop their running game? We've got to do that. It always starts with stopping a run for us, setting the edge, building a wall, and doing doing a good job of that, and tackling well. You know, we've got to tackle well. We can't let the ball get to the second level. We've got to do a good job of fitting the runs properly and uh, and, and getting the guys down on the ground. You know, that's a big part of what we always do. You said earlier this week Andrew Luck is the same guy. What about the weapons he has to work with? You still have T.Y. Hilton to deal with. T.Y. Hilton, uh, tight end. You know, I know they've had some injuries at tight end, but, you know, they – they still have weapons, you know, and I think that, um, you know, when you look at it, they have weapons on special teams. Rodgers is the punt returner. Sometimes Hilton will go back there and return punts. So, we, we, you know, we've got uh, we've got a challenge on our hands when it comes to handling those guys. I was going to ask you about their kicking game. Does it kind of blow your mind when you see Adam Vittateri out there still? He's, he's amazing. I mean, he's a Hall of Fame kicker. You know, he's he's made some of the biggest kicks in the history of the game, you know, and uh, he's been doing it for so long. Um I think he's only a little bit younger than me, but uh, you know he's he's a challenge. You know, just just from you know how many years he's been doing it, how consistent he is. You got to feel like your special teams performed pretty well last week, despite the loss. Yeah, no, I think our guys have covered kicks well. I think the return game, the punt return game, Tyler did a good job. Guys are busting on that. They're really you know busting their butts to 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 do the right thing, and it's been good. Brian Peters is and John Weeks, you know, Batamosi, those guys have been good leaders. And, uh, you know, we and Trevor punted the ball better last week. And, you know, hopefully that continues. We don't want to punt as much as we did, but, you know, hopefully those things continue. I know you got a lot of young players, Coach, but at least you have been on the road a couple of times so far. So you've dealt with some harsh environments. Yeah, you know, I think going on the road, uh, you know, I think it's just a matter of uh, sometimes it's a good thing. You're, you're, you're on your own and – you know, all you have are the fifty. Excuse me, the game day roster on the sideline with you, and, and that's a good thing. You know, that's you're just fighting for each other, and that's that's uh, probably what we need right now. Coach, thanks a lot. Good luck. Thanks, Vinny. Let's get to our next hot read, and it is the all too important Friday injury report. Now, I'm going to say this, and it's a hot read because it is information, and there's plenty of information that comes out of this injury report. The last few weeks, we've talked a lot about this. I will be brutally honest with you and tell you I don't care anymore who's in, who's out, who's sideways. I don't care. I really don't. The Texans have faced teams the last couple of weeks in the Titans, and they didn't have Conklin. They didn't have Luan. They didn't have Marcus Mariota. Didn't matter. Texans were sloppy in that game. It's an L. Last week, there was was no Eli Apple. 
There was no Olivier Vernon. And then, of course, they changed. It was an injury, but Eric Flowers got bumped. They put Chad Wheeler in there. Oh, man, I got Chad Wheeler in there. We're about to eat. Well, J.J. Watt did eat, but the team struggled in a 27-22 loss to the Giants. So I will give you the information, and then at that point, that's information. But this team, if there are guys that have to be out, other players have to step up and step into that stead and make those plays. And if there are players out on the other side, then we have to embarrass them when that happens. And hopefully that's going to be the case here. Now, the Texans injury situation actually might be as as good as we've seen in a while. Unfortunately, we'll be without Dylan Cole and Bruce Ellington, who were placed on IR both this past week. Those will be big losses, no, no doubt. But one name that does not even have questionable next to his name on the injury report gives me hope, and that's Kiki QT. There's no questionable next to his name. Unfortunately, there is questionable next to DeAndre Hopkins' name. Now, I said last week, I know Hop was banged up. He played through it. That is, to me, one of the great things. We can talk about catch radius and everything he's able to do down the field and all the different catches he can make. To me, DeAndre Hopkins' toughness should never, ever be questioned. Ever. I guarantee you that guy is nowhere near 100%, and yet he's still balling out. He is questionable. I do hope that it follows the same trend as last week, and he does play. But he is questionable, so that there is out there. Kayvon Webster, Sharice Wright, both of them are questionable. Now, we have not seen Kayvon Webster at all, and Sharice did do a decent job last week. So maybe we'll have a chance to see him. But... Hopkins, Webster, Wright, all questionable. Now for the Colts, they have ruled one, two, three, four, five guys out. Jack Doyle, tight end, out. Joe Haig, who had started at tackle, he is out. Heard this before, Anthony Costanzo, the other tackle, he is out. You heard that before, two tackles out. Jack Doyle, key tight end, out. On the road, facing a divisional opponent. This sounds like Tennessee reincarnate. Son Ridgeway is also out uh, up front. He's out for a second straight week. Quincy Wilson is also out. Questionable. And Clayton Gathers, I believe, he was on the injury report on Thursday. He was not on. He missed practice Wednesday. He then practiced fully on Thursday, but did not practice on Friday. Clayton Gathers is questionable. Now, he is a key in the secondary alongside Malik Hooker. Marlon Mack, Anthony Walker, both questionable. They were limited participants in practice. But Nico Autry, Eric Ebron, Malik Hooker, Andrew Luck dealing with a groin issue, and Al Woods. Al Woods in, uh, Al Woods in particular is one that 330-pound space eater inside. Very, very difficult to move him. He is a problem. But he is going to play. So out for the Colts, Jack Doyle tight end, Joe Haig and Anthony Costanzo starting tackles, Hassan Ridgeway, rotational player, and Quincy Wilson, who's been still dealing with a concussion uh, at one of the corners. So questionable gathers, Mack and Walker. Mack didn't play last week, so uh, he could be back. Now the Colts did release Kristen Michael, and as soon as I thought I as soon as I saw that, I thought, Marlon Mack's going to play. So my guess is, yes, questionable, but he'll probably play. Anthony Walker ends up being the key because he plays next to Darius Leonard and does a really nice job. So 
There's your injury report. Again, a tight end, two starting tackles out on the road playing divisional opponent. It's week two all over again. Now you have to make them pay for that. And look, they're injuries. But you've got when there are backups in their place, it's time. It is time. You play a clean game, and you go up there, and you do what you have to do. But that is the injury report for your Texans. Hopkins, Webster, Wright, questionable. That's it. QT's in. Even Sunil Calamete is in. So we'll see what happens on Sunday with Hop, with Webster, and with Wright. My guess is that Webster, we probably still won't see him, but hopefully we'll have Wright and Hopkins back for Sunday against the Colts. So there you go. Those are your hot reads brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. We get back. It is the DP Sidhu Deep Slant Interview of the Week. And this week, it's Tyler Irvin, punt, kick, return man extraordinaire next. He's probably the best barber on the team, too. There might be something to take umbrage with that, but as far as I know, he is the barber on the team. Tyler Irvin next right here on Texans All Access. What's up, everybody? Welcome back into a Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst and silent reporter, and it's time for our Deep Slant interview of the week. This week, it's somebody I didn't think, honestly, we would be seeing in week four play the role that he has played, and that is Tyler Irvin. We talked about it during camp that the way that I felt like Tyler was going to make this team was doing something big on punt kick returns, and he has done that. But I expected him in preseason to be able to have to do that. And I think due to the injury to Kiki QT and maybe Bruce Ellington not being 100% at that time, they felt most comfortable with putting Tyler back there. And then that New England game, boy, he had a lot of really good kick returns, had a good punt return week last week against the Giants. I think Tyler Irvin, of anybody, has been a really positive surprise early on in the season. And I think it was to a point where the Giants said, look, we're not kicking him the ball. They kicked it to him twice. And I think he had one good return. I can't remember what the other one was. But they did not want to kick him the football. And I, that was that was a huge compliment, I think, to Tyler Irvin. And then his punt returns were fantastic. He had a really good one. I got the ball to the 45. And Deshaun tried to go up top the next play to Will Fuller. I can imagine what if we had that return and then Watson hits the deep ball. That's complimentary football. Get the stop on D. Great return by the punt return team by Irvin. And then hitting the deep ball. Boy, that's complimentary football at its finest. But that didn't happen, of course. But the punt return did. And Tyler Irvin has been very, very good. So get the Colts off the field. Let Rigoberto Sanchez kick the ball to Tyler Irvin. And let some magic happen. Some magic definitely happened in our Deep Slant interview of the week. Deep City with Tyler Irvin joining me today. Third year with the Texans. Special teams, welcome to the studio. You're having a great first three games. I know that the record is not what you guys wanted at right now, but as for yourself, you are currently ranked third in the NFL in kickoff return yardage and then fifth in kickoff return average, fifth in punt return yardage, and then seventh with 10 yards per punt return. Mm -hmm. 
Are you surprised at how this transition's been coming off of IR and then back into the season and then sort of taking on this role and, and how well you've done through the first three games? Um, I mean, I just uh, expect to go out there and try to make as many plays as possible. Obviously, coming off an injury, I had to work really hard to get back to where I need to be. So uh, my main thing is I'm just happy to be playing because I'm healthy. So, yeah. You don't see too many guys that do both, that do kickoff returns and do punt returns, but you've sort of taken that uh, role even throughout college. How easy or difficult is it to do both for you? You know, it's two different type of kicks, but once you kind of get adjusted and learn, you know, what kind of technique you need on both uh, situations, I think you just got to keep doing it in progress. And so that's what I'm just trying to do. All right. So coming into camp, you mentioned the injury. Let's let's rewind a little bit. So last year you had the the knee surgery. It was about a year ago, right? That you got placed on IR. Yeah, yeah. Um, so basically, it. in about four days will be a year. So yeah, hopefully. You got that date in your in yeah. Your um, I mean, I, I'm always gonna remember that day, and I'm just like I said, glad to be healthy. Was that the worst injury that you'd ever had in your career? Oh yeah, by far, by far. All right. So what were those first days like? I know you probably don't want to relive it, but you yeah. find out you're injured, you go on IR, and mm-hmm. then you have the surgery. Mm-hmm. What are those first few days like for you? Um, well, I had a surgery immediately after, so just okay. kind of just getting uh, back from the surgery was the main thing. Kind of, so I was in the hospital for about two days afterwards, so just getting recovered and all that kind of stuff. Were you able to walk or get around oh, on your own? Like, no, how was that for not you? Yet. Yeah, I couldn't get around on my own for maybe you know maybe about like two weeks so for two weeks yeah and then I kind of transitioned to the crutches and all that kind of stuff so yeah it was a long road but I'm glad it's done with and over how do you stay mentally strong through something like that because I'm sure like we've heard JJ Watt and all these other guys talk about you know doubt starts to creep in like am I going to be the way that I was am I going to be able to run the way that I did before but Mm -hmm. you know obviously you have to have some mental strength to get through it so what, what, what helped you get through that whole process yeah just staying positive is the main thing and I think for me just having a great a support system in my family you know they were uh, able to come down and kind of be with me you know for the first month where I mean my parents you know they're they're more than you know one of the uh, best set of parents that I've ever seen because you know they're always trying to take care of me so for them to come down and literally spend that time with me was amazing and yeah just staying positive and just being able to say hey you know I'm gonna push through this whatever happens so. all right we, we didn't see you too much in OTAs we saw you out there a little bit but you weren't really cleared until about training camp right that's when you were out on the field with your teammates, and that's when you're back to football again. Yeah, yeah. So training uh, camp was my first shot at, you know, getting back into the rhythm of things. So, yeah, it was like I said, it's been a process, and I'm just glad that I'm playing again. So you get into training camp, and then you got to sort of work your way back into that, the, the roster again, right? Yeah, like you yeah, got to sort sure. of Because everybody was talking about who are going to be the kick returners. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd yeah. been on IR for all this time, and you've worked your way back, and you're thinking, you know, this is your, your job that someone yeah. needs to take from you. But what – you know, what is that like in training camp? Because you've not really played much, and then you got to come in, and then you got to sort of take back both of those roles. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously training camp is uh, time to compete. And, I mean, even during the season, it's always time to compete. So I had to go in with the mindset that nothing's ever given and just work hard, really. Yeah, and then you, ma- you make the roster, obviously the 53. Were you surprised, or did you expect – that you were going to make the team, how stressful was that whole scenario? Make, um, I with, mean, with honestly, it was a little stressful because, you know, uh, like everybody, I was kind of unsure as well. So, like I said, I'm just glad that I made it. And like I said, I'm just going to continue to keep progressing and try to do the best I can. You set a record for most kickoff return yards in your first week back in week one and then the highest kickoff return average, 31.2. Everyone was, was sort of wowed by, oh, here's Tyler Irvin back for kicks because it was still sort of undecided who was going to mm-hmm. return kicks. Yeah. And then Bill O'Brien said you were really able to see a lot of cuts out there. How has it been for you now, three games in? You've watched the film. You've studied yourself a little bit. You've gotten into a rhythm. Mm-hmm. How much more confident do you feel? Do you feel like you're seeing even more out there? 
Yeah, I think it's just the, the amount of reps. So just whatever opportunities I get, just trying to, uh, like you said, watch the film from the previous game and then go out there and try to do better the next time. I always feel like kick returners have the most stressful job out there. Like you've got everybody coming at you. Yeah. Do you have to have a certain personality type to be able to handle that? You know, you got to have some courage. And at the same time, you have some faith in the guys that are blocking for you. So Courage got, is a yeah, good word. Yeah, I, for sure. I feel like it's courage and then the ability to sort of block out mm-hmm. any distractions. Like you've yeah, got guys coming yeah. at you from all directions. Yeah, um, it takes immense focus. Focus. So, um, yeah, it takes a lot that goes into it. But like I said, once you get the reps and the practice, after a while, hopefully, you know, it becomes natural. So that's what I'm just trying to do. Do you feel like you're that way in real life? Does that personality, do those personality traits carry oh, off, yeah. off the field? Like, of course, yeah. I always focused. got faith. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I have faith in, you know, a lot of things, obviously. But um, focus, obviously, you have to have focus if you want to play this game. So for sure. You're super calm, too, it seems like, too. So I, I would imagine you can't have a lot of anxiety. Yeah. Um, Coach Sealy always says back there, just be cool, calm, and collective. So <laughs> I think that probably comes very naturally for you, right? Yeah, I would say so. What about the kickoff rules? Because those sort of change. They're trying to make it safer for everybody. Yeah. Do you feel like it's made an immense difference in how you attack the return game or, or not really? Uh no, honestly it doesn't take uh you know much difference for me. I think just at the same time I have to understand that the rules have changed as far as them being able to not run down to the ball's kick. But as far as my goals and the goals of the kickoff return team, we're just still trying to get yards. So all right, how about on offense? Because you're obviously listed as a running back, you get a few carries here and there, but you also you also are a wide receiver. You're sort of used in a lot of different ways. How how do you view your role on the offense? Um, just whatever is asked. So um, just whatever they ask me to do, wherever it's at. So wide receiver, running back, you know, if they ask me to you know, play center, I give it a try. Do you feel like you fit in more with the running backs as opposed to the wide receivers or vice versa? Well, I mean, since my uh, time being here, I've spent time with both groups. So I don't I – mean, I'm not – You're gonna, not going to pick. Yeah, I'm not going to pick. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I know in the um, – before you even got here, you had your real estate license mm-hmm. that you'd gotten. Well, I was, I was working on it. You know what? I was working Did on it. Did you ever something, not get it? I, I, I didn't finish it, unfortunately. That's so false that's something, in your bio. Yeah, yeah you, you guys got to uh, fix that. You got to fix that. Yeah, right. I was working towards it, and I didn't get a chance to finish it. So that's something that's going to be a project. Hopefully I get a – to finish it. Would you do it in Texas though now because you're living well, here? Or do yeah. you go back to California? Yeah, I mean, I go back every now and again, but I would say about 85% of the time I'm here in Texas. So, well, what makes you such a good person to sell real estate or to be a real estate agent? Well, I mean, at the same time, I feel like when it comes down to a home, everybody wants to have a, a home. And give, me your, give me your sales pitch. Yeah. Well, okay, we have this beautiful home here. Okay. Uh, what do you like? Do you like something that's a little bit more, um, you know, wood-based, or do you like a little bit more brick on the exterior? What do you like on yeah, the inside? Yeah, I want, like, modern and huge, but I don't want to pay a lot of money. Okay, Texas, here you go. So you're right in the right area. <laughs> like, we have several, yeah, we have several different areas. You and you know. can live, like, yeah. way out here. You're not living anywhere near the stadium or inside the loop. Is that, is that how it goes? Well, it just depends on what kind of price point oh, you're you're, like, at. being yeah. serious. Yeah. All right, so you're going to do that. You're going to get your real estate license. What about cutting hair? Because I know we always try to talk to you about cutting yeah. hair. And you brought the the shears back out or the scissors, I don't yeah. know what you call yeah, them, yeah, yeah. Um, in training camp, uh-huh. right? Yeah. So you still got that side gig going on? You know what? I haven't done it in a while. I mean, obviously, with the injury, I, I kind of took my focus on just getting back healthy. So it's been a minute since I, I've cut hair. But like it's kind of like riding a bike. You never really forget, so... You know, if anybody ever needs a cut, I'm always available. Has you, have you had any volunteers yet? Like anybody want to be the first to get the haircut from Tyler Irvin? Since well, you know, I mean, I just haven't really talked about it. I'm sure if I kind of get guys excited about it, I'm sure somebody will <laughs> give me a try. Somebody will want it. Yeah. All right, we're excited about you and everything you're doing in the return game. You're still looking for that first touchdown. Yeah. So how yeah, much do you sure. think about that when you get the ball in your hands? All you, the time. And do you have a time. touchdown celebration? I feel like that's something that you need to – that's, that's something that, you know, when it happens, you guys will just see. But um, okay. obviously, anytime I try to, 
you know, touch the ball, I'm going to go ahead and try to make a big play. All right, good stuff. Tyler Irvin, thank you so much. Okay, thanks. One of the things I remember so much about Tyler's rookie year, which was 2016, he was banged up by week four. I think it happened early in the Tennessee game last year. Was confidence. I just wanted to see Tyler, every time he gets the ball, I'm cheering for him because I was so badly for him to break one. Just take one all the way to the house because I think that will just pop the top on his confidence. And I think his confidence has been growing by leaps and bounds with the contributions that he has made to the special teams in particular. I said last year I thought that he was going to play a significant role in the offense because before Bruce Ellington came here, they didn't really have a slot receiver option, and Tyler would, on third down, go into the slot and and be that guy. Now, we've seen him on third downs in the offense a little bit. Not a ton, but a little bit. And I would imagine that'll that'll continue with him in there as the third down third down running back, throwing the ball out of the backfield, uh, pass protect a little bit here and there. But he ends up being, at times, the third down guy on offense uh, alongside Deshaun. The special teams, though, are where his bread is buttered. I want him to just break one. On Sunday, if he could take one to the house and, I don't want to say steal seven points, but produce seven points, the confidence that he would have going forward. I just kind of felt like his his 2016 rookie year that he just kind of couldn't get on track. But it feels like his confidence is starting to grow a little bit this year. And as it grows, the better the returns. And we saw that especially in the punt return game. If he can put the fear of a you know, the fear of a return into a team, what could that mean for this team going forward? It's the one thing we've talked about forever. Special teams, special teams, special teams. Well, now Tyler's giving you something in the punt return game. That's got to continue, and especially in a, in a game like this, a division game, where the Colts aren't going to score a ton of points. They'll put some points on the board, but they're not going to score a ton of points. Getting seven off a punt return or getting three off a punt return that sets up points, that's huge. So Tyler Irvin plays a massive role on Sunday in this game against the Indianapolis Colts. Now, I don't know what the team will do when Kiki QT comes back, if he ends up involved in the punt return game or the kickoff return game. I don't know how that's going to play a role. And I don't know at some point if if Bill O'Brien wants to use Will Fuller back there in the punt return game. At this point, I wouldn't do it because Tyler has been really, really good. They, in the past, have put Will back there when they haven't been getting the ball, but they're targeting him so much on offense, and Tyler's running it back very, very well. I would leave it alone. Leave them alone. Let Tyler try and break one. Let him do his thing on the punt returns. Let Will stay at wide receiver, and I think that's going to end up being the right fit and the right move going forward. Now, if Will isn't getting his touches, that's a good way to do it. Put him back on punt returns, and he, the, his speed puts the, puts the fear of Will Fuller and the, the punt coverage team. But Tyler has been very, very good, and hopefully Sunday – He'll have more of the same. All right, when we get back, it's our first community credit union, first glance, keys to the game. Offense, defense, and special teams. We just talked about Tyler and special teams, but there's one other key on special teams that we'll get into. But offense, defense, what must they do? Yes, they got to score points, and yes, they got to eliminate the penalties, but we'll dive deeper into it with our keys to the game next right here on Texans All Access.
We are less than 48 hours away from a matchup with the Indianapolis Colts. Colts 1-2, and two, Texans 0-3. Oh Neither team off to a great start this year, but the Colts have played consistently tough football the last two weeks, especially against NFC East teams on the road. Beat the Redskins 21-9, to lost to the Eagles 20-16. to So, how are the Texans going to go up and get a W? Well, we're about to talk about that right now on this First Community Credit Union First Glance Keys to the Game. From me, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter. This week's First Community Credit Union First Glance Keys to the Game brought to you by FCCU, First Community Credit Union, the official credit union of the Houston Texans. Okay, let's start with the offense. We'll go offense, defense, and special teams. We'll do it all in this segment. Typically, I don't say typically, sometimes we spread it out. It just kind of depends on what we've got on the radio landscape for that particular day. We're jam-packed with Brian Gain later in the show. Obviously, my picks I give to you every single week. We had our deep slant interview with Tyler Irvin the previous segment. So we're going to jam our keys all into one. So I have a few for each, and probably a little bit longer I would go into a few more. But I think with the offensive side of the ball, and I don't have these really in any particular order, because ultimately the key is to score the ball, and we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But I want to get a little bit more granular than that. They've got to score the ball. They've got to protect the ball. They got you know. I'm going to give you hopefully a little bit more, a little bit more specific keys, if I will. So let's start with number one. I don't know for a fact that Kiki QT is going to play, but if he is, get him involved in a game early. I don't know what makes the most sense in getting him involved. Whether it's get him a quick screen. Let him catch a little snag right over the middle. Something he can catch and run. Punt return. I don't know. But I'd love to see 16 get the ball early. And just put the Colts back on their heels just a little bit with his speed and explosiveness. So if Kiki QT is ultimately going to play, then get him the ball early. Get him involved early. Because if you get him involved early and he, he does something positive... And then you got Will Fuller on the outside that they're already afraid of from speed perspective. And then you got Hopkins, who has been you know, as good as anybody in the league, one of the top receivers in the league. And all of a sudden you throw him in there? Oh, man. That can change things. And it can change game plans. And it can make the Colts adjust. And then when they're trying to adjust, maybe they screw up a coverage. And boom, away you go. That's all it takes. So get Kiki QT involved early. Flip a little jet, uh, jet sweep or that little foot, jet flip play. They ran with Braxton Miller last year. Run it with Kiki. I, whatever you got to do to get him the football early and put some stress on the Colts in the second level, at the third level, with his ability to make people miss and his quickness. Haven't seen him play a full game. He has not been in a full game since the bowl game against USF last year. And he was absolutely unbelievable. Here's another way to get Kiki QT involved in the game plan. Don't be afraid to throw the ball deep to him. Do not be afraid to throw the ball deep to him. That sounds strange because you see Kiki and you're like, well, that's a slot dude. That's a slot receiver. No, no, no. That guy was as good down the field as anybody I saw last year. No matter how big, how small. He was one of the best. They would put him in the slot and he would run right by a corner that was covering him in the slot or a safety that would cover him in the slot. If you get that matchup, 16 is the way you got to go. Number two, 
Maybe this goes above anything else. But as much help as is needed for the offensive line, give it to them. Now, the Texans at times this year have protected with six and with seven, and there have been times where even that has not been enough. But they've got to protect Deshaun Watson. Now, here's the tough part. Deshaun is very comfortable and empty and in shotgun and empty. There isn't that much help in that situation. And this Colts defensive line is nasty. Marcus Hunt has turned a corner and become the dude we all thought he had the potential of being. Kamiko Toure off the edge, whether he is blazing the edge outside or he's run stunts inside, he doesn't stop. He is the Colts version of Duke Ejiofor, but a little bit quicker, but not as big. But that's what the Colts have in Kamiko Toure, pass rush specials. Then they've got the big fellas up front. Grover Stewart is an angry football-playing dude. They've got to protect up front and keep number four upright. He cannot continue to take the shots. So if that means you've got to leave a tight end to block and help, if you've got to have a running back, maybe the running back motions back in and helps and chips and whatever, running backs and tight ends can still get out in the route even if they help to protect initially. That was the play to Jordan Thomas last week against the Giants. Jordan Thomas was not involved in that. He was blocking, and then when the play was taken forever, he kind of leaked out. He was like, hey, man, I'm open. Throw it to me. Deshaun, he did. It, came, it became a big game. As much help is needed, provide it for the offensive line. Provide it. Number three. This kind of goes to number two. Contain the hosses in the middle. They have got some players in the middle, and they are tough to move. And most importantly, they have a one-track mind. They go upfield right now. It is a 4-3 defense that flies upfield. Marcus Hunt and Grover Stewart and the guys inside are flying upfield. So you've got to, A, limit that penetration, or B, let them penetrate and have a plan against it. How do you counter that penetration up front with traps, with draws, with screens? But those guys up front completely tore up the Washington run game. Completely tore it up. Washington couldn't get anything going. They try and pull somebody, and Marcus Hunt is blowing up the guard and the center. As the guard's trying to pull and the center's trying to block back, Marcus Hunt's just running upfield. So they won't run upfield. They will leave a ton of seams in the defense. You either have to limit it or you have to have a plan for it. The plan for it draws wham traps, screens, invite them upfield, and then once you get the football, don't look back because they're going to be coming. They do not stop. This front is absolutely relentless for the Indianapolis Colts. Number four, goal-to-go situations must result in touchdowns. Now, five of the 24, there have been 24 penalties the Texans have had this year. Average eight a game. Not good. Five of the 24 have come in goal-to-go situations. Holdings, false starts, you name it. Five of the 24. 20% of the penalties have come in goal to go 
situations. The Texans have been abysmal in goal-to-go situations. Bill O'Brien said it. I've said it. The players have said it. Mark Vandermeer said it. You've said it. We've all said it. We've all seen it. They've been abysmal. If that turns around, the Texans have not struggled moving the ball. What they have struggled with is getting to the finish line. It's like the tortoise and the hare. It's like, we're the hare. We're like running like, ooh, and then we get within the finish line, and then we're off like eating out of the uh, the brer patch or whatever it was that the, the hare was, was uh, I don't know, he had donuts or something. I don't know. The goal-to-go situations, I mean, that's when you put it in and away you go. There's touchdowns. And you've been in goal-to-go situations a number of times. Five out of 24 penalties have come in goal-to-go situations. Stop it. Stop it. When you get there, I mean, obviously, you need to have field goals out of that. But once you get in a goal-to-go, you're inside the 10-yard line, stick that son of a buck in the end zone. Make it happen, Cap. Let's go. All right, let's flip it over to the defense. Number one, and again, these are not in any order, offense, defense. Defense could go for offense, and the keys itself, they could be. you can mix them around. But defense, play the short, force the long. Andrew Luck has not thrown the ball long. I think he can. Don't get me wrong. I think he can. And if given a wide-open situation, I think he would. But I think this offense, with the offensive line the Colts have, which is not at a point where I think it will be if they continue to draft as they have. Ryan Kelly and Quentin Nelson, foundation pieces, they're fine. You add another couple pieces to that down the road, okay. But they're not at that point yet altogether. So they want the ball out of Luck's hands, and they're going to do it now. Well, Eli Manning got the ball hot quick. He had a great day. Blaine Gabbert, the only thing he was going to do was throw the ball short, hot, and quick. And he had a decent day. Take that stuff away. Take away some of the short stuff. Force them into long stuff. Force them to hold it for just a half second longer. Let Clowney and Watt and Merciless and let the gang get there. Play the short. Force the long. Maybe it's just this week you do it. Maybe next week you go back to kind of doing what you're doing. But I know Rack will spin the dial, and I think this is one of the weeks where he's definitely got to take some chances. Go get the football, which is key number two. Get the damn ball. How many turnovers have been there for the Texans, and they haven't taken advantage of it? They've had two forced fumbles. One against Tennessee, J.J. Watt forced. One last week, J.J. Watt forced. They didn't get either one of them. They turned into key field goals for both teams. Go get the football in the air. Go get picks. The only pick they've had this year, Tyron Matthew, caught off a deflected pass. Go get the football. Read the route. Jump in front. Make a play. Make a play. Now, the interceptions that the Texans have given up have all been in the end zone. But you know the thing about those plays? Every one of those interceptions was a top-notch 8 out of 10 interception, if not graded higher. Adore Jackson's was a 9 out of 10. The one for the Patriots, the Eric Rowe or Stephon, no, Stephon Gilmore, that was like an 8.5 or 9 out of 10. Last week... You had Elk Ogletree skying for that one. That was more like it was like a seven or eight. Those have all been great interceptions. Great individual plays. The Texans have to do that this week. I don't think Luck is going to throw you one, but you got to be in position to go get one if he does put one on the table for you. Go get the damn ball. Let's move on to number three. Finish drives and be better in scoring territory. Now, the Texans have had plenty. They've created plenty of three and outs this year. But what they haven't done is buckled down, for the most part, in scoring territory. When opponents have gotten the ball on the other side of the 50, they've scored points. Not a great deal of points, 
because they've been really good before that. But when teams have gotten the ball on the other side of the 50-yard line, the, the, those teams have scored. They've scored points. When they haven't, it's been three and out. So they've got to finish drives. If they get in scoring territory, like if they get to the 45 or 40, force a punt. If you get a sudden change situation, force a three. You get a goal-to-go situation, force a three at best. But you cannot allow teams to just get scoring territory on your side of the field and score the ball. You can't. It happened against the Giants. happened against the Titans. happened against the Patriots. Teams got in scoring territory. They have scored against the Texans. That must change. And last and certainly not least, play all 53 yards of the field width-wise. Obviously 100 yards, but width-wise. In particular with this trio of running backs they're going to face. Jordan Wilkins, Marlon Mack, Naeem Hines. I don't think anybody out there, if I was the NFL, is like, wait, I know those guys. I know exactly who they are. Nobody knows who they are. These guys are not famous, not very well known, but they can do a lot of different things. Marlon Mack last year really hurt the Texas with his speed and explosiveness. Naeem Hines is even faster, a track guy. He is a fast football player, not a football player, not a track player turning into a football player. He's a fast football player. He will spread you wide, and then once he gets outside of you, goodbye. They've got to contain him. And Wilkins is going to be the guy who pounds between the tackles. So they're going to have their hands full with these three running backs. But you've got to play all 53 yards of the field because they will stretch you horizontally with all that they can do. You must be ready for that. Special teams, I think the special teams, other than the massive blunder in Tennessee with that fake punt, and then Trevor Daniel punting one into the end zone late in that game when they needed that ball pinned inside the five, I think other than that, the special teams have been pretty good. But this week it could be a challenge, especially kicking field goals and extra points. Marcus Hunt, as Coach O'Brien pointed out, and I'm glad he did, he is unbelievable blocking kicks. In fact, I want to say in 2016 he blocked an extra point when he was playing with the Bengals. I'm almost positive that happened. He's blocked one of our our field goals or extra points before, I believe. He's a terror in the middle of the field on defense, but he might be even more important keeping points off the board with how good he is blocking field goals. Now, the one thing I don't know a a thing about is how do you avoid that special teams-wise. I'm leaving that up to Brad Sealy and Tracy Smith. But you have to know where he is. You have to do everything possible to get his hands down. But you got to get a helmet on him. And as far as kicking, I would think, logically, the higher you kick the ball from the beginning. And I don't know how Kaimi has to do that, but he's got to get the ball up, not out. He's got to get it up. And that might take some distance off it, but it's going to keep it away from 92. And that's a big thing in special teams. So there you go. Those are your first community credit union, first glance keys to the game. FCCU, the official credit union of the Houston Texans. Now, we get into our second hour. We got plenty to do. We got player reporter. We got get to know. We have got the game plan with Brian Gain. But coming up next, we are going to do our NFL picks. I pick every game straight up and against the spread. It's a good way to go around the NFL. So we'll do that next right here in Texans All Access.
The Houston Texans Whataburger and the Houston Food Bank are teaming up to help them take on their toughest opponent ever, Houston area hunger. Just donate a dollar the next time you're in an area Whataburger, and that dollar will go to help the Houston Food Bank feed 800,000 of our community neighbors each year. And you'll even get a coupon for a free Whataburger with purchase of a 32-ounce drink and medium fry for every buck that you give. So from now until October 8th, give a buck and be a part of the team that's wiping out hunger in Houston. Welcome back to the show. Texans All Access on this Friday evening from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. Glad to be with you. I am John Harris, sideline reporter and football analyst for your Houston Texans. All right, it's time to go around the NFL. And you know each and every week I do this by picking the game straight up and against the spread. Just a way to do it. I'm not trying to make this a gambling segment. That's not really what it's all about. But it's a good way to talk about the games and what's going on throughout the NFL. 15 games left this weekend. You missed a scintillating game last night if you did miss it. The Rams and Vikings, 38-31. Jared Goff, phenomenal. Kirk Cousins, really, really good last night. That was as enjoyable an NFL game to watch. All this talk about Thursday night games stink, and boy, Fox got a great one. Or Amazon Prime, if you watched it that way with uh, Hannah Storm and Andre Kramer, if you watched it there. I didn't. I watched it on the Fox. I couldn't get the, the Amazon Prime to pop up as quickly as I wanted, so I just went to Fox. But either way, Tremendous football game last night. The Rams, according to my uh, what information I had to start with, I have to pick these games for a buddy of mine each and every week. So I picked them for him based on his sheet. The Rams were a six-and-a-half-point favorite, one by seven. I picked the Rams. Yes, I'm 1-0 going into the weekend. And I'm honest. I missed the first two Thursdays, but I've gotten the last two. So I feel, I feel good. I'm off to a good start. So Let's get these 15 games done. I don't believe anybody's on a bye this week. I think the bye starts soon, though. But we are we got 15 games to do. So let's get it done. But to do this, I need my music and bam, there it is. So let's get going. The 3-0 Miami Dolphins. Yeah, I said that. The 3-0 Miami Dolphins, they travel to New England to take on the Patriots. The Patriots are 7.5-point favorites. I think this is the opportunity and this is the time where the Patriots turn it around. They seem to love, at certain points, chaos in that it's a circle. I remember Chris Berman used to say this about the Buffalo Bills. Circle the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Well, I think the Patriots circle the wagons pretty darn well. They've lost the last two. They lost at Jacksonville. And they lost on Sunday night to the Detroit Lions, which is a little odd. They're seven-and-a-half-point favorites against a 3-0 team. I think that's what what Vegas thinks about Miami. 3-0, but eh, we're not buying you quite yet. I'm in the same boat. I'm following Vegas on this one. I'm taking New England to cover the 7.5, get back on on track, and take away one of the undefeated teams in the NFL, that being the Miami Dolphins. So let's go with New England to win and cover the 7.5. Texans go to Indianapolis. That line has dropped. It was 3.5 to start the week. I think it's now at 2 you can take it for how it is. When a number gets that low, you're picking basically the money line, which is essentially you're picking it straight up. So you know how I do this. I pick the Texans to cover and win, and haven't been right yet, but hopefully Sunday is a change in that particular direction. I would tell I would tell you this. Never trust anything that I'm going to tell you from a spread perspective, picking games on the Texans. I, I'm, I'm not going to pick against them. I've always said that. I'm never going to pick against them, and I'm not going to, oh, they're going to get – no, I just – they're going to cover. They're going to win. That's I'm going to tell you that every time, so don't worry about that. All right. Jets go to Jacksonville. The Jacksonville coming off a 9-6 to loss to Tennessee last week. The Jets 
took an L last week, one and two. They've lost two in a row. They go down to Jacksonville. I think Jacksonville gets right. I think Bortles does do a whole lot. This feels like it's ugly 17-6 kind of game. Jacksonville is a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. That feels a little rich on the surface. I would have liked to have been at seven. Then I feel like I'm going to win either way because this feels like a seven-to-ten-point win. So I'm going to lean Jacksonville to cover that seven-and-a-half, but definitely Jacksonville to win straight up. The 2-1 and one Bengals. It's an interesting weekend where teams with better records, Miami 3-0 and goes to New England, 7.5-point dog. Cincinnati 2-1 and goes to Atlanta, and Cincinnati's a 5.5-point dog. But I think, Cincinnati's, I think Cincinnati's got something this year. Something about that Bengals team, I don't think it's perfect, but it's definitely better than it's been. I think Andy Dalton's playing much better. I think Atlanta is banged up to beat you-know-what. And I think that's the issue. I think Atlanta wins. But getting inside the five and a half, I think Cincinnati will do that. I think Cincinnati will get the cover, but Atlanta's going to get a narrow, narrow victory. Even with all the injuries, I think Cincinnati will, with those injuries, Cincinnati will keep it close. But I think Atlanta is going to pull it out in the end. They need this one. Atlanta's sitting at one and two. A team that I, I know I thought it was going to bounce back, and a lot of people thought it was going to bounce back. But these injuries have really set them back. Deion Jones, Ricardo Allen, two very key members of the defense, both out. Philadelphia goes to Tennessee. Philadelphia 2-1, lost to the Buccaneers in game two. But they bounced back last week to beat the Colts at home. And now they go on the road to take on the Titans. Philadelphia's favored by 3.5 in this one. That feels about right. I've said this. I know Tennessee's coming off a big win last week. Mariota had to come into that game because Gabbert got hurt. He ran the ball very well. Philadelphia will take that away, I believe. And then I think Philadelphia will do what it wants to. This feels like Tennessee is, to me, kind of similar to Indianapolis this year. Tennessee is not going to score a ton of points. They're going to get you 20, but there's going to be a time when you need 40, and they'll get you 20. So I feel like Philadelphia is going to win this game as a three-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. Tough to go on the road and win. Obviously, Philadelphia found it out going to Tampa Bay. But with Carson Wentz back and potentially dry conditions in Nashville, I think Philadelphia wins this one by a touchdown. So let's go with Philadelphia to win and cover the three and a half. Buffalo, fresh off that win in Minnesota, goes, I was, was going to say back to Wisconsin. Because if you saw the social media feed of the Bills last week when they said, we've arrived. They arrived in Wisconsin on the little graphic. They didn't realize they were in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Now they actually go to Wisconsin. And Green Bay is a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. Green Bay at 1-1-1 one, one, and one, got throttled last week by the Redskins on the road in the rain. I do not think that happens again. I think Green Bay gets the win and the cover over Buffalo. Great win for Buffalo. But I think Buffalo is going to be prone to inconsistency with Josh Allen at quarterback. They'll have some great moments. We'll have some less great moments. We'll see that in a few weeks. But Buffalo at 1-2 and two will go down to defeat and lose by more than 9.5. So I'm taking Green Bay to win and to cover. Detroit 1-2. Big, big win for the Matt Patricia-led Lions as Patricia gets a win over his mentor last week on Sunday Night Football and ran the ball to do it. That was big. Dallas at 1-2. and two, Tough loss to Seattle. But I think Dallas goes home. Three and a half point favorite. I think Dallas gets it right. Dallas moves to two and two and gets the three and a half point cover. Tampa Bay goes to Chicago. I don't know what's happened with Tampa Bay's quarterback situation. 
You go with Fitzmagic. You go with Jameis Winston. Both of them unreliable in some sense. Jameis might be a little bit more so altogether. Fitz, you just know he's going to take some chances. Can Tampa Bay live with that? I think they will. Be interesting. But Chicago playing at home, two-and-a-half-point favorite at home. I like Chicago to win this one and get that cover. So win, cover the two-and-a-half. Chicago get the win over Tampa Bay. Uh, Matt Nagy's got the team playing good football, and Khalil Mack, the Khalil Mack difference has been significant for the Bears on the defensive side of the ball. So let's go Bears to win and cover over Tampa Bay. Then we go to the afternoon games on Sunday. Seattle, at 1-2, gets to feast on rookie quarterback Josh Rosen. Fourth rookie starter this year as Rosen starts against Seattle at home. Now, Seattle's a three-and-a-half-point favorite and hasn't played exceedingly well up until last week. Did they find the secret sauce? I don't know if it's going to turn Seattle back into a playoff contender. I don't think. But I do think Seattle is definitely better than Arizona and definitely better than three and a half points. So let's take the road favorite Seattle to win and to cover. Cleveland goes out to Oakland. Baker Mayfield will start for the 1-1-1 Cleveland Browns going against the 0-3 Raiders. Now, I went with the Raiders last week, and I was almost right. I'm going with the Raiders again. Raiders are a a two-and-a-half point favorite at home, 0-3. Kind of know that song and dance. There's got to be some desperation for the Raiders, and I think – they will capitalize and get a W over Cleveland. Let's get Oakland with the W to get to one and three and a cover of that two and a half. Then I think one of the better games of the afternoon. New Orleans travels to the Giants. Now, Giants had one and two. Obviously, the one came against the Texans. But they played a very close game against Jacksonville. And they just couldn't get the offense in gear fast enough against Dallas. I think that's a good Giants team. And it's an underdog by three and a half points at home. I don't know that Eli gets dialed in as as well as he was against the Texans, but I do think that he starts finding it in with Sterling Shepard and with Odell Beckham Jr. and Saquon Barkley. The key there is whether Evan Ingram is back. If Evan Ingram is back, that Giants offense, whoo, it's salty. And New Orleans hasn't stopped a lot of people. So I'm going to go with the Giants to cover the three and a half to get inside that number. I'm going to give the Saints a very, very close win. Very close. But the Giants will get the cover. So New Orleans will win by three. That'll give the Giants the cover because they're three-and-a-half-point dogs. San Francisco plays the L.A. Chargers. The Chargers are favored by ten-and-a-half against C.J. Beathard. And that, my friends, is all really you need to know. The hope for San Francisco is Jimmy Garoppolo. Fortunately, he he tore his ACL last week against Kansas City. He is out for the year. C.J. Beathard can throw it a mile. But he's also going to throw a few to the Chargers. The Chargers have been banged up, too. The Chargers have missed uh, Joey Bosa a significant amount. But I'm giving the Chargers the win in this one. Chargers favored by 10.5 at home, which really isn't saying a whole lot because they play in that soccer stadium. And there will be probably more 49ers fans and Chargers fans. But the Chargers will get the win and the cover of that 10.5-point spread against San Francisco. Baltimore, 2-1, and one, goes to Pittsburgh. Now, this has been traditionally... One of the great rivalries in the NFL. The Pittsburgh Steelers got a win on Monday night, and they get to come back home. Traveling to Tampa Bay, they had a pseudo-circle-the-wagon sort of game, getting the win at Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay was hot coming in, 2-0. Pittsburgh knocks them off. I don't want to say handily defeated them. I think the score was closer than the game actually was, to be honest. Pittsburgh's favored by 3.5 against Baltimore. I said at the beginning of the year, I didn't truly 
trust or believe in Baltimore. Just didn't. And I still don't. But I think Baltimore is going to win some games this year. This will not be one of them. I think Pittsburgh's going to play at home in front of the home crowd. They're going to feel that atmosphere on Sunday night. They've beaten Baltimore on Sunday night at home. I think Antonio Brown's too much for the Baltimore secondary. Pittsburgh's going to get the win and cover that three and a half. And then on Monday night, you've got the Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Denver Broncos. This, on the surface, when it was announced back in April, like, eh, you know, Monday night, Denver, Kansas City, I don't know, what are you going to get with these guys? You got Mahomes, you know, sort of, he's essentially a rookie. You got, you got Case Keenum on the other side. You know, what's he going to provide for Denver? Eh, it could be kind of fun, but eh, who knows what to expect. Well, Kansas City's 3-0. Denver's 2-1 with a couple of comeback victories. And Kansas City's favored by 5.5. Now, if the Rams are the most exciting team in the NFL to watch offensively, it's the Chiefs. If it's not the Chiefs, it's the Rams. The Chiefs are, I don't want to say they're getting a great test, but Von Miller going against that, that offensive line. You're seeing Chris Harris in the secondary going against those wide receivers. But I just don't think Denver has enough. I think the Chiefs continue to get Tyreek Hill involved in a number of different ways. He has been a thorn in the side of the Denver Broncos over the years, in particular at Denver. I think that's the one player that separates Denver from Kansas City in this one. Tyreek has another big ball game. I think Kelsey gets in the end zone as well. Mahomes, maybe not as clean and hot as he has been. But he'll put up some points. The Chiefs will score that much more than Denver, and they will cover that five and a half. The Chiefs offensively are as good as it gets. Chiefs, Rams, take your pick, man. <laughs> Holy smokes. Loaded with players. Loaded. Chiefs, Sammy Watkins, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Kareem Hunt, Ram. Oh, of course, then Patrick Holmes. Then with the Rams, you got Gurley and Cooks and Woods and Cup and Higby and Everett. And Todd Gurley, you know, by the way, the guy pulled the trigger is pretty good too, Jared Goff. So there you go. All the picks straight up and against the spread for the 15 games this weekend. All right. Coming up next, we have got my first community credit union, first glance, keys to the game. How the Texans beat the Indianapolis Colts in Indianapolis on Sunday. I'll have that for you next right here at Texas All Access. Welcome back to a Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. Hope you are doing well. Appreciate you being here. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter. Now, on Sunday, I get an opportunity to talk to our next guest. But each and every week, Mark Vandermeer gets to sit down for a longer-form version of the game plan interview with General Manager Brian Gain. Mark, take it away. Brian Gain, General Manager of the Houston Texans, joining us right now. And Brian, you've been around a lot of organizations. Obviously, this is a very tough time, so so important for everybody to stick together and improve what's going on out there. How do you go about this from your role? Yeah, the uh, the preparation week really is a process. You know, it starts Monday where we evaluate the tape, try to uh, install our corrections and communicate those to our players. We meet with our players Obviously, from medical side, we deal with the injuries and uh, any time potentially missed, uh, process all that information. 
And and look, somehow, some way, we we have to move forward. We compartmentalize things. It's one week at a time. I've used this phrase before: singular purpose, singular focus. The only thing that matters right now to us is making the corrections that we have to make. Uh, talk about the positives as well. You know, it's not always bad. There are some good, but finding a way to turn that into the end result, which is finding a way to win, and then try to put a plan in, in in place to try to get our our first victory of the season. The focus right now is on winning our first divisional game. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's it's our second divisional opponent. It's on the road in a, in a tough environment uh, versus a competitive team with with a returning quarterback who's healthy now and highly productive. So we know what's at stake here. We're certainly aware of that. The other phase of that is we try to put the season into quarters. You know, right now we're in the third game of, or we're entering the fourth game of the first quarter of the season. It hasn't gone the way we want to, that's for sure. Certainly our fan base, it hasn't gone that way for them. But there's still 13 games of football left. Mm-hmm. 13 games is a long time. So we're hoping to make those corrections this week. We're going to do everything we can to try to put a winning performance on Sunday. Let's talk about some of the players playing a role and some guys who did some positive things. And a new player made an appearance yesterday in the starting lineup with Sharice Wright playing. And how did you find him? What did you see in him? What do you think? Sharice is, a, is a, an experienced veteran who has both outside and inside flexibility at the corner position. He's played both uh, the perimeter corner position. He's played nickel in the past. He also plays the, the vice on punt return. So he's had some roster flexibility as it relates to the 46-man game day roster. He's a savvy, instinctive veteran. Um, He's had both starting experience and then backup role-playing experience. So the value of that on game day for us under the circumstance with the injury to to Kevin Johnson two weeks ago, we saw value there and a chance to play or compete for a contributing role either on the perimeter or from inside positions. Do you talk to the coaches about how a guy might fit before you pick him up? Because maybe a guy knows the system or maybe he's just a terrific athlete and you just can't pass him up. So how do you balance that when you try to acquire a player? Absolutely. The first thing we talk about is just scheme and system fit. The second thing we'll always talk about is going to be the performance. And then the third thing is just the the intangible and and the football character fit. So we do a lot of research and background on on guys that we want to bring into our program to make sure that they're a seamless fit from a performance standpoint, from a chemistry standpoint, um, and then obviously just the the scheme fit. But most importantly is are they going to fit into our program in terms of how we run football shop and how we run business. Um, one thing I can say about Sharice Ray is, is the guy's a good competitor. He loves football. He prepares. He's a good teammate. I was familiar with him from last year, the one year I was with him in Buffalo. And so far, so good. We feel like he's been a, a seamless uh, insertion into our, our operation. And a side note here, it feels like familiarity is obviously very important in acquiring a player. And that's why you see so many guys go within divisions in the league. You know, for guys in the NFC West, he's like Richard Sherman, for instance. Now, that might be a, an extreme example, but so much interchanging between teams within divisions because you see these guys a lot on tape twice a year you're seeing them live is that why that is yeah you certainly hit the uh, hit on the nose there we, we we see these players twice a year when it's within the division number one number two you see it in a lot of crossover tape mm-hmm. when you're evaluating other teams within the division so you're constantly evaluating the three other teams in your division through direct opponents but right. also from shared opponents um, and then equally, you also play, we all share, hey, we are, you're playing the AFC South this year, or you're, you're all playing the AFC uh, North, 
whatever division it is. So you see a lot of the, the redundancy when you are evaluating specific players within the division. And then your own players become very familiar with uh, with the opponent. So it does make it for a seamless transition. That's not what you're looking for, per se. If it happens by coincidence, even better. great example of that is Aaron Colvin when we signed him in free agency, a guy that we were very familiar with because we played him twice a year, and then equally he was familiar with us. Now, how often do you get input from your own players on another player? Because they face him, they might know the guy, they talk to him on the field, however that happens. How often does that occur? Yeah, on a selective basis, on a case-by-case basis, if, if one of our players can be a resource in that regard mm-hmm. in terms of player evaluation or insight, in terms of how to, you know their, their experiences of lining up versus a guy, or perhaps maybe they were college teammates, or perhaps maybe they worked out together in the offseason, or perhaps they were together on an NFL team somewhere along the lines. When and if those times come, we can tap into that as it relates to being a resource on, on information. Um, but for the most part, the players play, the coaches coach, and, and the scouts scout. As the play-by-play announcer, I, I named a couple of names yesterday of guys you acquired after the waiver wire occurred uh, following the final preseason game. Buddy Howell, the running back from Miami on special teams, and also A.J. Moore. And those guys are assimilating, right? They're making plays for you. How are they doing so far? Yeah, so one place I think we always can try to get better at at the 53-man cut down is always going to be on fourth down. So we spend a lot of time and resource as it relates to our preseason evaluations on fourth down players, on fourth down film evaluation in the hopes that if a player comes to your 53-man roster at that time, if they're a developmental guy at their position, per se, at the position they play on offense and defense, if they have dominant traits of height, weight, speed, we feel like their ability to contribute maybe on a, at a, an earlier timeline might be more so on fourth down before maybe they actually are able to carve out a role in either base or sub-package looks on offense and defense. One place we had to get better, we, we knew we'd have, we had to improve on this offseason, was the speed, the range, the mobility, and the ability to cover ground on fourth down. And we feel like with some of the acquisitions we made at the waiver wire cut down, we were able to add range and speed to the uh, fourth down units, such as A.J. Moore when we claimed him from the Patriots, such as Buddy Howell when we claimed him from the Dolphins. Those are some examples of that. Equally, uh, Jamerson from the Saints, they were all height, weight, mm-hmm. speed players. So each, all three of those guys, we feel like added speed, range, and, and running ability in terms of covering ground on fourth down. I know this time of year you're doing a lot of traveling, scouting college games for prospective draft choices, and you go to a wide variety of environments and everything. I think the fans would be interested, when you go to a college game, are you in a suite or where you're not sitting in the stands or the student section, obviously? How does that go? And are you with other GMs sometimes looking at prospects? First and foremost, the 2019 draft process began June 1st at the uh, wow. National Football Scouting Meetings in, in South Florida. That's when we really, really begin our process of the 2019 draft. When I do travel, um, I'm, I'm just like every other scout. I'm visiting the school, coordinating uh, in terms of who I need to meet with in that school to, to speak to resources, to gain insight on our prospects. It could be from the position coach coordinator if you're granted time with the head coach time spent with the strength coach uh time spent with the support staff to find out a lot about the players and the prospects character and then the the film evaluation certainly is a big part of that as well but when we descend on the school a lot of it is to get some background and information on who these guys are we can watch the film from any place in the country right now i can watch it from my desk here at the office or i can be on a plane with my ipad 
Um, but the other part that to, uh, that our scouts spend a lot of time on is the body typing. You know, we want to know maybe what they are now to what they can be one to three years down the road. There'll be times and places where I run into other GMs on the road, uh, other scouting directors. But when I'm at a game, I'm up in the press box just like every other scout, grinding right. away, trying to get the best information that I can. But scouting is a process. Here we are, here we are in September. It already started in June, and this will be, you know, all the way through uh, through April 28th until that weekend. Besides being able to talk to people at the schools face to face, what is it about being at the game that you see versus looking at stuff on tape? Because you get the all 22, you probably get a lot of great angles. But when you watch a game or a prospect live in the press box, what are you gaining there? We spend a lot of time in the pregame, to be honest. I'll be down on the sidelines, uh, you know, looking for the body types of all the prospects that we need to study. I try to maximize our exposure. So if it's a very good opponent on both sides of the ball. I try to maximize the exposure that one team has, and then as well as I get to see the other team. I'm looking to see basically practice habits, preparation habits in terms of how they prepare for the game. I'm looking for the body typing in terms of what they are from um, from their lower body to the upper upper body, trying to be uh, definitive in terms of their build, what they are today, what they can be tomorrow. Um, and then if you have a chance to speak to any sources while you're there, if you have a chance to get some time with a position coach or a coordinator or a support staff member, that can at least be a resource for you to gain some insight and information that perhaps maybe you, you missed or did not get at the school visit because sometimes availability is tough based on their own schedules when you are a visitor at the, in the campus setting. And on game day morning, sometimes when the coaches come out, you do get a chance to speak to them and gain a little mm-hmm. more insight about their football character and their personal character. All right, Brian, we appreciate the time very much. Good luck this week. Thank you. You know, it's interesting that Mark asked that last question about being there watching these players up close. It's so interesting to me because I know a lot of people on on Twitter fancy themselves as draft experts. I do a lot of stuff as it pertains to the draft. My best intel, my best intel, just me, comes from being at the Senior Bowl, seeing these players, being at the Avid Care Texas kickoff, being at the Academy Sports and Outdoors Texas Bowl, seeing these players on the field, body types, composition. Now, Brian and his personnel staff, they get a chance to get a little bit closer. They get to interview these players as you know at the combine and various things. But that's where I get my – when I see these guys up close, I can watch them on television. I mean, anybody can watch them on television. You can even watch them on good all-22 college tape. But when you get a chance to see them up close and you get to see what – they're all about and what the body type looks like it's amazing I I can tell you I I, here's a great example of that Ole Miss has three tremendous receivers Marcus Lodge who I think is from Cedar Hill right here in Texas DK Metcalf and AJ Brown AJ Brown was out warming up before the game and I watched almost his every move and I, I was kind of enamored with him because he's so much bigger than what his program size seems to list. I think they list him at like 6'1", 219 or something like that. And he is all of that. I mean, so well put together. But you start seeing that. I had that same exact conversation with Brian at the Senior Bowl last year. Because the Texans were coaching, we had a couple of field access passes, and uh, Omar and the guys were able to hook me up and give me one of them to go down there and be down on the field. And so... Brian was there, and I saw him, and it was good to catch up with him because he had come back from Buffalo, and it was great to see him out there at the Senior Bowl. And so he asked me, you know, what I what I was doing, and I said, well, you know, I love this. You know, I I fancy myself as a scout in some respects uh, that just never went into the scouting business, if you will, but I love doing it. And I said, 
it makes all the difference in the I just kind of flippantly said, you know, it makes all the difference in the world watching these guys up close and seeing them up close. And he looked at me and he said, That's it. That's absolutely what it is. You get an opportunity to see these guys up close. Now it was great for the Texan staff because they had an opportunity to meet these players and coach them and see how they reacted to change and how they adjusted to coaching. And obviously Jordan Akins was a draft pick in large part what he did in his college career, but in some small part to what he was able to show them at the Senior Bowl with that coaching staff. And so they were able to get some intel from that. Although it's fascinating. And then, of course, Mark brought that up talking to him. There is nothing, and this will, this will always be the case, there's nothing that replaces that up-close personal view on a player and then, of course, getting to meet that player, but seeing how they warm up, seeing what they look like, the body comp. I mean, that's such a big part of the scouting and personnel business. Uh, it's just a its a fascinating beast to me, if you will. And glad that Mark got into it right there at the end with Brian Gain. All right, coming up next, we're going to have our players segment. This is an opportunity for the players to sound off, if you will. Get to know Will Fuller. Final word with Kareem Jackson. And, of course, it's KJAC TV as well next right here on Texans All Access. One final segment of Texas All Access on this Friday evening, wherever you may be. I appreciate you being with me. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter. In this last segment, we typically save for the players. Not that we don't earlier. I mean, we heard from Tyler Irvin with our Deep Slant interview, and we've heard from the players in the first segment as well. But this is an opportunity for the players to kind of peel back the layers, if you will. This is our Get to Know segment. It is our player reporter and it is the final word with Drew Doherty. This week, player reporter and the final word of the same guy, Kareem Jackson. Now, Kareem asked the questions in player reporter, and in the interview, he's answering the questions. But we're going to start with get to know Will for the fifth. Drew, take it away. It's time to get to know Big Bill Fuller. Did you know people call you that? No, I don't. I hope people don't, though. I Why not? I that was a joke. I feel like that makes you that makes you old. Once you go from Will to Bill, I think that puts some ages on you. You think? I think so. My dad is Bill. Okay, so. okay. Well, let me give you the background on it. So there's a guy. There's some guys that do a college podcast, and mm-hmm. when you were just ripping it up in Notre Dame, scoring touchdowns, you scored a lot of big touchdowns. Okay. So they called you Big Bill Fuller. It's a, it's a good nickname but you don't like it so i'm not going to call you that if you could turn the ocean into one other liquid what liquid would you turn it into i could turn the ocean into one other liquid oh man milk coke uh saline mountain dew mountain dew that's a good one get you charged up get the energy going i love mountain dew i'm addicted to it (laughs) yeah do you start your day every day with the mountain oh no i I gotta i gotta chill out on it because it's not good for you but uh whenever i can get one i love it yeah gives you that jolt yeah i like it i like it i'm a mountain dew guy myself okay is cereal a soup? I wouldn't say so. I mean, when I think of soup, I think of like ramen noodles or like uh, something like that. When I think of cereal, I think of Captain Crunch. So, I mean, it's two, two way different things for me. Sammy Coates said otherwise, but I'm with <laughs> you on that one. Even though I told him I was with him on that one. Okay, so cereal's not a soup. 
it's a hot dog and sandwich. Uh, it depends on how you look at it. I mean, it's in, it's in between bread. So, I mean, it depends on how you look at it. Uh, I never call it a sandwich. I just call it a hot dog. So. Yeah. Two I different do names. Too. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I do too. Kaimi <laughs> Fairbairn said it's a sandwich. And, you know, that's Kaimi. He's a kicker. He said yeah, he's got yeah. his own idea on things. Kids just think different. So, uh, I mean, hey. I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. Okay. You got to wear one color of clothing the rest of your life. Like your shoes, your pants, your shirt. They have to be the same color. What color are you going to choose? Probably go with black. I mean, I feel like you can't go wrong with black. Look, these guys got on black, so uh, can't go wrong with black. Goes with everything, right? Goes with everything. Perfect. Well, Thank good you. to see you yes, always. Sir. Good to see you. Thank you. Okay, I'm the guilty one as it pertains to Big Bill Fuller. Let me explain. There's a college football podcast called The Solid Verbal. If you haven't heard it, guys are great, Ty Hildebrandt and Dan Rubenstein. They are fantastic. And I was listening to them. I started listening to them, I think, in either 2015, maybe 2016. In 20, no, it had to be 2015. 2015, Will was phenomenal for the Notre Dame team. And I believe Ty is, Ty Hildebrandt is a Notre Dame alum. So he would talk about, and was talking about Notre Dame, and that year, 2015, was an amazing one. Sean Kaiser beating Virginia last play of the game. He looks up Will Fuller, et cetera. So they took to calling Will Fuller. They were they started they were calling him Big Play Will Fuller, and then one of them just jokingly said Big Bill Fuller, and so that became the moniker, and it stuck for them. And I sort of I sort of liked it. I kind of liked it. Big Bill Fuller. I like alliteration. It sounded great. After Will's, I think it was the second game. I think it was the second game at home. Maybe it was a Tennessee game. His rookie year. He has the punt return. It was either that game or right after the Chicago game. I can't remember. Maybe it was his first game. He was our player of the game. And I asked him, I said, hey, uh, and I told him about the, I told him kind of a mini version of that story, Big Bill Fuller, and he kind of looked at me, and I could tell, nah, he doesn't like this. All right, I'm not going to do it. But I so wanted him to like it. So now that we've gotten to the bottom of that, Will's like, no, 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 my dad's Bill. I don't care for it. It makes me sound old. I, Will's explanation is perfect. There's no more Big Bill Fuller. It's always Will Fuller. From here on. All right, let's go to our player reporter. We always have Kareem Jackson in the locker room asking the hard-hitting questions, as he always does. Player reporter is brought to you by Arctic, the official coolers and tumblers of the Houston Texans. Visit rticoolers.com. Arctic coolers overbuilt, not overpriced. KJAC TV, a.k.a. Player Reporter, starts now. KJAC TV, man, coming to you with another episode here with Whitney Merciless, number 59, linebacker. What's the, what's, your, what's the little slogan they say? What's your little slogans? No mercy. N- no mercy. I can dig it, baby. Mm-hmm. Who has the most unique laugh on the team, and what does it sound like? Um, Come on, B-Mac, you got to know your teammate. JD? Yeah. Just loud, I guess, huh? No, just. just. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That ain't a laugh, man. That's that's abuse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Who has the most unique laugh on the team? Uh, I'll say, I think B-Mac got the most unique laugh. What did it sound like? It goes a little humming like that. What is that? Sound like B Mac. Kevin. That's a good one. I don't think. Can you mimic that? 
You know, he got this like little slam on the lip. <laughs> Come on, yo. Hey, hey, Kev, Kev, when you see this one, I have nothing to do with it, my brother. That's all we got for you today, my guy. Hey, I appreciate you, man. Hey, you know what? I'm gonna have you on again, man. It's gonna be a long, a long, long, good season. Man, I'm gonna have you on again, man. My guy, Scar, man. KJAT TV, man. We out. So what happens when we flip the script on Kareem Jackson and he becomes? Not the interviewer, but the interviewee. The final word with Drew Doherty this week is with our guy, K-Jack Kareem Jackson. Thanks so much. We've got safety. We've got corner. We've got television impresario Kareem Jackson here. Kareem, Texans are 0-3. But confidence is not an issue, is it? No, not at all. Not at all. Um, Just because we know the type of team we have, know the type of guys we have in the locker room. You know, um, like you said, we're 0-3, but... We could have easily be 3-0. and You know, one or two plays here and there, and all three of those games can go, you know, a different way. So, you know, we're definitely still a confident group, like I said, because we know the type of team we have. Is that kind of the double-edged sword, I hate to use that cliche, where you know if just a few things go differently, it's like you said, you're right. undefeated. Right. But those few things are holding you back still. Right. Um, it is because, I mean, we work so hard, and we want to go out there, and we want to, you know, execute the way we need to. But like you said, I mean, it's it's just always those one or two plays, and we gotta try to type. We gotta try to you know eliminate those one or two plays. Some t- I mean, however we gotta do it, but um, it, it's gotta be done, you know. So you know, we we continue to go out and you know work. You know, we get good work throughout the week in practice, but we just gotta you know we gotta go out and execute on a, on a different level and you know eliminate those you know one or two plays. On a personal level, what's it been like getting to play safety, playing a little bit of cornerback as well? But looks like you. You've been a duck in water as far as playing safety. I mean, right. you look like a natural there. All right. Uh, it's been a lot of fun getting a chance to kind of fly around and, and hit people. Um, getting a chance to you know see the whole the entire form the entire formation before the ball snap. You know, so I can kind of see some things before they happen. So it's, it's been a lot of fun. You know, so um, uh, I've had a chance to, to really embrace it. You know, throughout camp and you know now and, you know throughout the season, well through these first couple of couple of games. So, but um. Just looking to improve each and every day there. You say it's fun to play. Brandon Dunn, we were talking with him. He said it's fun to watch you play. He said you're like a bullet. That's the, the word he used, a bullet, right. when uh, when you're hitting guys. Let's talk about this Colts team. It's a trip to Indianapolis. It's a, it's a quarterback that you guys know very well at Andrew Luck. What's he do well? He does a lot of things well. You know, obviously, arm talent. He can make every throw on the field. Definitely a, a smart guy. He's very cerebral on this center. You know, um, put the guys in, in the right plays and right, you know, right situations. But, um... I mean, there's nothing he can't do. So for us, you know, we got to be definitely, definitely got to be on our A game. Through three games, they've not gone deep like they have in the past, but you always kind of have to be wary of T.Y. Hilton and his whereabouts, right, don't you? Yeah, he's definitely a deep threat, you know, a ton of speed, you know, with T.Y. You know, um, can definitely run the route, entire route tree. You know, for us, we just got to be sticky in coverage. We have to know where he is, you know, at all times. I mean, he's all over the place. So we just got to spot him out, you know, before the ball snap and, you know, do the things we need to do to try to eliminate him. Have you been impressed with what Luck's been able to do in the short passing game, going to the backs on the backfield, the, the tight ends, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, yeah. Um, just watching film, you know, those, they, you know, they got some some new guys and some new some new spots. But um, I mean, he he's still still Andrew Luck. You know, he's still making some throws. You know, like you said, been you know using this short game a little bit more this year. But you know, that's that's not you know taken away from you know his arm talent to be able to go downtown at any, any play. Last thing, how special has this week been? 
hearing the news about Andre Howe's lymphoma remission. Man, that's very special. You know, with everybody, you know, just kind of see, you know, the football side of us. But at the end of the day, you know, a lot of us, you know, we deal with real-life situations as well outside of football. So, you know, for him to be in remission, you know, um, for us, you know, just we just wanted to support him throughout this this entire time, you know, and he's handled it like a champ, and he did exactly what we all thought he would do. And, you know, like I say, with him being in remission now, we're definitely happy for him and his family. That's great stuff. Glad you're with us, Kareem. Best of luck on Sunday. Thank Please you. keep playing great football because I value my job. I don't uh, want you to come do KJAC TV for real, okay? Yeah, we, we all value our job. So <laughs> we'll definitely, we'll definitely, we got to take it to another level, but we'll definitely stay on it. Thank you, my friend. Good luck. No problem. Thank you. There you have it, a little get to know with Will Fuller, KJAC TV, and the final word of Drew Doherty with the aforementioned Kareem Jackson. Game Sunday, folks. You know that. 12 noon, kickoff. You can hear it on Sports Radio 610. It is a CBS game, so you can check it out on Channel 11. If you're going to watch, sync up the radio broadcast with TV broadcast. I'm sure you can do that in this world of technology. you figured that out. You can listen to Mark Andre and myself give you the broadcast from Lucas Oil Stadium, a place where the Texans have won two out of three. It's also been two out of 15. So, yes, two to the last three, but two of 15 going up there. Looking to make it three of 16 on Sunday. It is a difficult place to win. It is a confident, young, and aggressive Colts team. It's a team that figures they're playing with the house money. Nobody had any expectations of the Colts this year. Oh, Andrew Luck came back. Oh, man, maybe the Colts will be okay. Maybe they'll win five, six games. There are no expectations for the Colts this year whatsoever. They are playing with house money, and it shows. Every time they're on the field, they're letting it all hang loose. Well, the Texans have to answer. On paper, which is a dangerous thing to do, but on paper, the Texans are a more overall talented team. And as such, the expectations have been higher for the Texans, and they have not lived up to them in the first three weeks. Now, could they have? Could they have come through with a victory? They've lost by one score, 7-3-5. and five. What if they don't fumble on the first play of the game to New England? What if they don't give up that fake punt to Tennessee? What if they could come up with one turnover down in the red zone against the New York Giants? Maybe you're talking about a 3-0 team. That's the difference between 0-3 and 3-0. That's the difference between 0-3 and, and shoot, 1-2. and Small things, little things. As I mentioned earlier, the various things this team hasn't done, it must do. The false start penalties, the goal-to-go penalties, the mistakes, the inefficiency scoring once in scoring territory. They've got to put it all together to walk out of there with a W. The team has not won a Sunday road game since they've been in Indianapolis December 11, 2016. I'd love to be able to get on a plane and fly home with this team after a W. They need it. We all need it. The city needs it. But most importantly, we just have to play better. Overall, start to finish 60 minutes of complete football. See what this team can do and what it can be in 2018. Because I don't think we've seen it. I know we haven't seen it. But what can we do on Sunday afternoon if we play a clean game? Reduce the penalties, score touchdowns in goal-to-go situations, score points when you're in scoring territory, and play defense like you know this group can play for 60 full minutes. Finish the game and come home with a W. The Colts expect to win. They don't know any better. They expect to win. Like I said, playing with house money, that's kind of a, it's a fun spot to be in. There's no expectation. Nobody expects us to do anything. Let's just go play. That's where the Colts are. You've got to answer that. You've got to answer all day long. But as of right now, the talking's over. It's done. Nothing you can do about it but go play on Sunday. 
No doubt about that. Got a lot of people to thank. Got to thank D.P. Sidhu. Got to thank Tyler Irvin. Got to thank Mark Vandermeer. Got to thank Brian Gain. Got to thank Kareem Jackson, Will Fuller, Drew Doherty. All of you for listening to my guys back in studio at 610. Really appreciate your help. We will see you on Sunday. And hopefully at the end, come around 3.30 Central Time, we'll be talking about a 1-3 football team, not an 0-4 football team. Appreciate you all very much. We'll see you then, everybody. And as always, go Texans.